ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dog Befiga podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. With me tonight, the Oliveras are back. Cristiano Oliveira, how you doing, bro? <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing? And Dave, the Oliveira up in the great white north. Dave, how you been, brother? I've been great, you know. Uh, good with three points. And I think we all need to bow at the uh, Swiss striker that we call right. Saferovic. I was wondering how long that was going to take to come out, out of your mouth, especially out of your mouth. Why does Dave always get a great white north and I get like nothing for the dirty south? You, you get the dirty, I should, yeah, I should say dirty jersey, but then I'm including myself in that, uh, in that group also. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we are serving up episode 337 tonight. We will look back at the Mutadens game that happened this past weekend and what a game it was. Uh, we'll also uh, spend some brief moments talking about the Luis Felipe uh, Vieira interview uh, that happened today to TVE. Uh, nothing new, but uh, there's some points I wanted to t touch up on. And we'll preview uh, both Guimarães and Stubble, which are Benfica's next game. Guimarães for the League Cup, which happens this Wednesday or tomorrow as we record this. And Stubble happens over the weekend. So uh, let's get right into this uh, Mourinense game. Uh, Benfica traveled up to Moreira de Conux to face Mourinense in a pitch uh, that's probably one of the smallest pitches uh, in the Liga Noche. Uh, difficult, difficult time uh, for Benfica. Uh, reduced spaces. Uh, Tarapt, who had been our maestro and pulling the strings, didn't seem to have that much time uh, to, to, to pass the ball or to organize. And, and Mourinense was nice and compact in the back. And Bifiga having the struggles that they've had uh, all season in the front line uh, really struggled. And it wasn't until uh, late that uh, that Benfica got on the scoreboard. Just uh, running through the, the game real quick, and then I'll, I'll get your guys' uh, opinion on the game. Uh, Mourinense comes up uh, better in the second half. Ends up getting the one nothing. Uh, then Benfica tried and tried and tried and, and tried to remain as uh, as patient as uh, as possible. As but uh, it it was tough. Um, and Cristiano, I guess I'll start with you, man. But watching this game and really not a lot of hope on my end that things were going to turn out right. And it wasn't. We had to wait till late, till five minutes to go into the game for Benfica to tie and then to turn around the score. How did you uh, see this game? Very frustrating, very frustrating. I mean, to be brutally honest with you, the last couple of games have not gone according to plan. I mean, this is not the same Benfica we saw last season dominating teams and controlling game, uh, controlling the flow of the game. It, it was just sitting there watching it. Very frustrating. No real threats. The team was having a really difficult time, you know, just putting on any type of 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 of, of play, any type of uh flow. It, it flow, exactly. Yeah, there was just nothing. I mean the team lacked 
inspiration. It was just one of those days, you know, let's just get this 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 game over and done with and, and let's go home. It, it looked like the team just did not want to be there. Then fortunately in the end, um be able to turn things around, but it was not not pretty at all. Um and it's very concerning. I mean, as I mentioned uh, a few seconds ago, this is a far cry from what we uh you know, we got accustomed to seeing on the Brun Lodge and it's not pretty. Hopefully, they'll turn this around soon. Uh, because as a fan, it's it's very hard on the eye. Let me uh, be, before I go to Dave and get his opinion. I wanted to ask you real quick. This was something that I asked Dave last week. Do you think we got spoiled by that first game of the Super Cup against Sporting, and we really thought this was going to be in a bag? I remember you saying, for example, that by Christmas time the title will be a wrap. Uh, but now here we are, six uh, jornadas in. And uh, we're having our doubts, as you mentioned. Yeah, I don't. I don't think "spoil" is the right word. I think that that result, the five nil against Sporting, covered up a lot of the weaknesses uh, or the concerns that this team had coming into the year, uh, into this new season, and then follow that game up with the five uh, nil. Uh, thrashing of Pas Ferreira as well as Dai the Loose to open up the season. I think a lot of people just focused in on the result rather than on the way the team was playing and, and, and you know, on the way the team played on the Brulage last season with, with you know, other options. Uh, so, yeah, I think we were fooled by the results. I don't I don't think we were um, – what was the word you used? Spoiled. spoiled. I don't think we were spoiled. I think we were confused by – as far as my prediction that Benfica would win the title by Christmas – it was more of uh, Sporting is garbage, Porto is, is is garbage, and I felt Benfica was going to, uh, of the three, was going to be the more steady team, the more consistent team. And, and in, in a Portuguese league, I don't think it's too much to ask for, uh, you know, three points after three points against these weaker oppositions. Obviously, Benfica still been able to get the three points with the exception of the game against Football Club de Porto. That being said, it's not been pretty, um, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk about that uh, here. You know, in this game against Mureres, Um just very uninspiring. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people were confused, and I wasn't on last week's podcast, uh, so I apologize for for going back on this. But last week, you know, they kind of went there, went into the game against Leipzig with with with, you know, not their strongest eleven, and then. You know, you, you hear the criticism that Brun Lage was saving them for the game against Murirense, and then our so-called strongest eleven was in there. With you know, obviously, there's a ton of guys injured, but as far as the guys that are healthy, uh, we featured our strongest eleven, and then to come up with that performance, I mean, very uninspiring. No, nothing. I mean, nothing really to, with the exception of of, of a play in the first half with PZ came into the box and he shot the ball wide uh with the exception of that one play but if you didn't really create many chances it was just very ugly um very ugly football so uh, i think people were critical uh, of the decisions by by Lodge. and then you add that to the performance this week in in Murenes, Murenes, and it's just it's been ugly alfredo yeah Dave, uh, were you like the fans at the stadium? Did you turn off the TV in the 80th minute and just went and did something else, or did you watch this painful thing in agony until the end? 
I'll tell you the exact minute that I turned it off, and it wasn't by choice. It was uh, the 83rd minute. I had to turn it off to uh, go to a family uh, wedding, but uh, listen to it on the radio and uh, listen to the the comeback on the radio. But uh, it's a game where we controlled a lot of the the possession. Of course, Morinis capitalized on their their chance and, and got that quick goal at the beginning of the second half. Uh, but this looked like a, a team that uh, we saw last year under uh, Rui Vitoria, where controlled a lot of the the possession, but just lacked that creativity and that final uh, pass between the uh, the midfield sector and the uh, the forwards. There, uh, really sloppy with the uh, the the chances being created. But um, in the end, we we pulled one out. Uh, like we've uh, mentioned, Rafa ends up scoring in the 85th, and then uh, Seferovic. Uh, scores the go-ahead goal in the 90th to uh, give us those uh, three important points. So uh, take the points and run because, like we've discussed, it was not uh, a pretty game uh, to watch. Uh, but uh, sometimes you don't have to be pretty. You just have to get the job done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Rafa getting uh, the goal with the assist from uh, Ruben Dias and then uh, Seferovic getting the assist from Jota, who had just come in a, in a game maybe about two, three minutes uh, ago, and, and he ended up uh, getting uh, uh, the assist. Cristiano, real quick, uh, we have discussed this at length ad nauseum about uh, that front line, um, but it wasn't until RDT came out of the game that we saw Seferovic shine, if you want to say shine. He definitely got that opportunity, got in the heart of the box, put the ball away. Um, is is this still a debate, the fact that whether or not those two could play together, do they need more time? RDT actually wasn't even uh, subbed off for Jota at that point. Uh, Rafa was subbed off for no, him. You're right. You're right. I did. I got this wrong. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Forget about that. Well, I'll add. But I'll he did, add, he did I'll, take a, a a a much deeper position. I'll add. I don't think he took deep. I think he they moved them up the field uh, and they just played with with Seferovic and De Tomas side by side. Look, to me, the jury's still out. I think De Tomas, yes, he hasn't done himself any favors. He hasn't played particularly well in the last couple of outings. You know, he got the start in Leipzig. Uh, in Leipzig, he got to lose against Leipzig as that lone striker, as we've uh, called for here on the podcast a, in a couple of times for him to do so. And he didn't do himself any favors. He didn't play particularly well again this game. But to, 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 in his defense, man, and to be fair to him, there is really nothing, you know, no one in that midfield, no one playing beside him to link up play with him, to create opportunities for him. Uh, and to me, the jury's still out. Um you know, obviously, starting to have more doubts as, as as the games you know count as the games go on. But I'm still not going to sit here and bash him because, as I say, as I stated just now, there there, there aren't many other options around. PZ's been, I mean, the guy was nowhere to be seen in that game, with the exception of that one opportunity in the first half. Rafa, yeah, he scored, and you know, he had a couple of plays here and there where he held on to the ball. I thought for for a second too long, but it wasn't that prototypical Rafa performance that we've grown accustomed to to watching um, over the last year and a half. Sferovic non-existent until the final five minutes of that game. I mean, there was a Tarapt wasn't him his usual self. Feja, we know the limitations on Feja with the ball at his feet. So again, uh, it's easy to sit here and pinpoint 
uh, the finger at, at the big acquisition, the $20 million acquisition that's supposed to come in and replace uh, Juan Felix. And it's supposed to be that guy to link up the play between the lines. But th th there isn't much around them. So I have to give them a pass for now. I really can't wait until Gabriel comes back and, and we see a healthy Gabriel in the midfield. Because we know that guy, to me, he just he means so much to this Benfica team, to this Benfica midfield. He's able to do a little bit of everything, and he's just so crucial in our build-up play. And I think that once he does come back, I think that'll free up Drop to maybe push him up a little bit up the field a little bit more and let him create and let him be the guy to get the ball to, to Raul de Tomas, to a Sofero Vic, because there is, you can see, there is a huge gaping hole in between the strikers and in the mid, there's just nobody there. And Nito Maz is trying his best to come back and play with his back to go, but that's not who he is. He's a guy that has to play up the field, run on to, 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 to the final balls and just uh, take the opportunity. Um, so I'm still going to give him a pass for that right now, Alfredo. Yeah, Chris, I think you made up a, a make up a, a great point uh, in the fact that uh, Jean Felix was a guy that linked the play between the midfield and the center line. And at this moment, uh, I think that Raul Tomaj is used to being fed and Seferovic is used to being fed and there's not really no one behind them to be able to feed him uh, from a central position. I know that Rafa's on one side and Pizzi on the other side, but it's not the same as having a guy playing in the same band as you that drops down, attracts defenders, then releases the ball and puts you in a good position to uh, to score. So I think that's that's a great point because the the biggest argument becomes you're playing two guys that basically are used to playing in the same exact position of being fed. Uh, and right now it's something that we don't have is somebody to feed them. Yeah, I mean, I look, if you want to be critical of them, go ahead, you know, suit yourself. But I think if you want to be critical, I think the people should be critical of, I should say, is the people making the decisions, the people that built this roster, the people that didn't realize that spending $37 million on two players to play the same exact position as a guy you have there who was the Pichichi last season in Campeonato Portugues in Seferovic, I think those people need to take some of the blame. And I understand the player at the end of the day has to perform, and it's him that's out there uh, you know, that's getting paid to, to, to perform and to, to score goals and to put the ball in the back of the net. But, again, I think – the, the buildup of this roster, the buildup of this team just wasn't very much thought out. I think uh, they could have uh, used their imagination a little bit more um, in bringing in different players. And maybe the older Tomas will will come good in the end. He'll score some goals, some some crucial goals. But right now you could tell it, it's weighing on him. You could tell that he's he's pressing a little bit. Um, even Svetovic, for that matter, when he comes in as a substitute against Leipzig and he scores, uh, to put Benfica, you know, to give Benfica a little bit of, of life in that game, even though they, they still lost the game two to one, but he pulled one goal back and you see shushing the fans. You could tell that the criticism is getting to the players, uh, to the staff. And so, you know, Raul de Tomas is no different. You know, he's listening to, to, to what's being said about him on TV, what's being written about him in the press. Um, but again, um, the people who, who, who built this roster, the people that are really that really should be answering um, a lot of these questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I know that you weren't here last week, Chris, uh, and I, I, I kind of wanted to get a little bit of your take uh, on Bifika's performance against Leipzig and 
the one thing that I mentioned here is that Leipzig is no pushover. Uh, I mean, as a matter of fact, any team in this group is no pushover. Um, but w- were you surprised at all uh, after the speeches of saying we're going to make a run in Europe, we've made investments, that the team that's fielded is a team that's similar that we fielded in Istanbul with guys that haven't played one single competitive uh, minute uh, for Benfica? Surprise? Not at all. I think the word I would use is frustrated. Once that lineup comes out, uh, obviously, you know, before kickoff, you start looking at, you know, Tomas Tavares making his debut on the first team. You see Servi, who a couple weeks, not even a couple, a week and a half early, you know, whatever, a week ago, uh, was dispensado, was discarded, was not a part of this team. Jota making really his first start for the senior squad in such a crucial match. I think as a fan, you see that and you just you lose your heart going into a game and and then there's noise about fan support and and and, and you know being being backing your team and being behind them no matter what. And it's just very disheartening to see that Benfica, at least from an outsider, it, it seems to me that they don't take this competition seriously. And and again, uh Tomas Tavares you know, didn't play particularly bad. He was, you know, played really good for a player making his debut uh, on a senior squad. Servi actually played a reasonable game. Jota was 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 the worst of the three. But it, it's still, it's just, I don't comprehend how Benfica takes this competition off. I don't comprehend how Benfica doesn't attack um, these games with, with, with their strongest 11 and try to, try to obviously represent themselves well at home, represent themselves in a competition that they've been absolute shit over the last couple of seasons. Um, then to top it off, Alfredo, each victory is, I, I think they moved it up to what, 1.7 or whatever it is now for, for each victory. Uh, so, I mean, you have an opportunity to make some money. I just, I, I don't understand. This is the first game of the group stage. This is the, the very first game of the competition. Uh, I could understand a lineup like this when it's game five, game six, and you're out of it already. You're, there's no way you're going to qualify out of the group. I get it, but game one bro and, and, and you have players making their debuts in the champions league i mean why not put in a kid like tomas tavares making his debut at home against you Vicente? why not play Serbi just like you did in fezzer another guy who was dispensado but fezzer i kind of understand because of all the injuries to gabriel and florentino and somebody's i don't know what the hell's happening somebody's i mean i mentioned here on the podcast and you guys will remember when steve was on that if Florentino was going to be the chosen one, if he was going to be the one that Laj had decided to partner up, uh, partner up alongside Gabriel, why in hell re-sign Samaris? Why? Why are you going to do it if you if you don't plan on using him? And now we see the guy's not even convocado. The guy's not even in this, not even on the bench. So the Fasia one, I kind of understand a little bit more, but the other guys, I, I still don't understand what the hell they're doing making their debuts playing in the Champions League. So, yeah, Alfredo, very frustrated, man, very frustrated. Um, in the end, you know, they they, they lost 2-1. to It wasn't as bad as some would have predicted going into that game. But, again, I want to see Benfica take these competitions seriously, man. I want to see them come into this game with some heart. I want to see Lodge have the attitude of, you know, Benfica Glorioso, Benfica is a big team, and we have to represent ourselves well throughout Europe because – Aside from Portugal, I think a lot of people look at us and, and you know, they we're kicking back to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. Yeah. Punching bag, a kicking bag, whatever. Um, it's just, it's, as a big figure, it's just very hard to swallow. 
Yeah, look, uh, I agree with you, especially opening the, the group stages uh, with the game at home, uh, that you know that if you win all of your home games, you're you're halfway there, and then you got to take some points away. Uh, so I, I really can't understand the approach. Look, I, I understand Laj's speech, uh, everybody counts. Uh, but some of the choices I, I have to uh, I have to scratch my head at at some of those choices that he's made. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I think uh, you know the fact that people don't show up for games like this is speaks volumes about the the type of commitment that Benfica has made uh, in Europe. And I think the fans uh, the fans sense that. And I don't think the the, the fans are wrong for criticizing the team um, for their approach and to these competitions. Uh, and considering the result and the, the track record we've had in the past couple of years uh, is abs- is an absolute embarrassment, as you have said in, on previous pods here, Cristiano. Um, and it really, it, it's to me, I can't identify with this approach. Uh, this is not the Benfica I grew up watching. Uh, and I know that you feel the same way, Cristiano, because we both, you know, went through those tough times and, and saw a lot of, a lot of glorious wins and a lot of wins that really made you feel proud to be a Benfiquista. Uh, this approach uh, to Europe by Benfica is something that leaves me somewhat embarrassed. I'm I'm not proud that my team goes into Europe and feels uh, almost a, a second-rated squad. And I know that some of those guys are, are starters and the core of the team was perhaps there. Uh, but some other decisions in a team, in a group where anything goes and anybody could come out, you really need to to play your your best, especially this early in the season where there's still some margin for error in terms of of league, and in terms of slip ups in the league. Uh, and again, the the money factor, or maybe we're just belly full with the João Felix transfer to the point that we don't care about these win games in what world right in what freaking world do you save players at home against you'll be sent i mean you play your strong stop forget that in what world do you save players in the champions at league. home in the champions league to play why not play them in the champions league? i mean in, in, against Muridens. if you go back to that Muridens game Tomas Tavares warmed up the whole second half, sat on the sideline, well, ready to go in for a good second, whatever it was. I'm, I'm all confused. But he was on the sideline a good, like, 10 minutes waiting to get subbed in. The ball never went out, never went in the game. And then it's kind of like, okay, buddy, you didn't play today, and I'm sorry for leaving you on the sideline, but, bro, got you. You're going to start the Champions League. <laughs> you Are think you gonna, that's you're, you're gonna, that, you're, that goes on? I have no idea. You're going to make your debut in a Champions League. I'm going to make you, it up to you. You've never played in front of more than 2,000 fans, but now I got you. You're going to make your debut in the Champions League. How about that? And, and sorry like, for standing on the sideline for five minutes trying to get in. Yeah, like I got you. Now you're going to play the whole 90 because you're five and, minutes on the side. And it's just like, look, and, and then he came out, and Lodge came out, and, and he gave a good excuse. You know, he said that today, right, uh, due to the fact that Almeida just came back from injury, he can't play back-to-back games. Understood. Copy that. Okay. Brilliant answer. So then, why not? Why the hell not play Tomas Tavares against Juve Vicente at home, and then give Almeida the start in the Champions, in the crucial Champions League? And I know it's crucial first game. I know it's you know there's different levels of crucial, but to me it's crucial because Benfica has an opportunity in game one to you know 
make a point and let everybody know that their season, they're not, you know, obviously they're not going to win the Champions League, but they're not going to be a pushover at home, at least at home. And Leipzig is a, is a good team, but Benfica had an opportunity to be taken serious. And they opted to field the stronger lineup at home against Joe Vicente or on the road against Mourinho rather than in the Champions League. It just boggles my freaking mind. Boggles yeah. my mind. Yeah. So uh, three points. Uh, we're going to shift gears. So three points uh, against Mourinho's, uh, which uh, those games up north in small pitches and usually in the middle of the winter where the pitches are heavy are very difficult. But it's not winter. It's the, fall. The, yeah, this so happens that it wasn't that case, but it was still okay. a very, a very tough game uh, in a in a pitch where spaces are reduced, small pitch. Uh, but these are, are the games that you need to go up north and, and win. Uh, On Saturday, I just yeah. I, I wanted to get this out of the way before you flip to the next, just because I've been thinking about this ever since Saturday. I was watching a game with a really good friend of mine, and minute 10, whatever, Benfica is not really doing much, and I'm you know, sitting there screaming and hollering and annoyed at the TV and wanted to throw things. And my friend goes, relax, bro. Benfica's going to pick things up in the 85th minute. You'll see. These guys only start playing. And I'm like, come on. I should have listened to him. I should have came back in the 85th minute. And you know, maybe I would have saved myself some of that heartache. But he was absolutely spot on from the 85th minute to the 93rd minute. Obviously, they played three extra minutes of uh, whatever, extra time, whatever you want to call it. Benfica put on the pressure. They look like a totally different team. They attacked. They created more chances in those eight minutes than they did in the other 85 minutes. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout-out. He knows who he is. He's listening. Um, it, was purple, it was Purple Rain playing? Purple Rain. I should have I should have listened to him. He said 85th minute. Spot on. There you go. So, anyway, uh, as I mentioned, three important points up there, and uh, it, it's good to to uh, that we got to keep up with the chase because Family Count seems to be on fire, top of the league, uh, one point ahead of both Befica and Porto, has just beaten uh, Sporting this past Monday after uh, being uh, down one goal uh, before the half or actually at the half. Uh, and Family Count is... Uh, it could be this year's Cinderella story. I don't think they're going to be able to uh, withstand and continue in the same uh, in the same way that they have up to here. This these early six games because they still got to play uh, uh, Porto and Benfica. But nonetheless, uh, a team that just got promoted that had some outside investment uh, that is doing that was doing well. It it, it look I I applaud uh, teams like that that. Uh, have their shit together, and they're making a run. It's good for Portuguese football. It's fantastic. And when you see a, a defender score with such consistency week after week, like Goatz, it's fantastic for Portuguese football as well. I mean, we're seeing things in Portuguese football that we haven't seen in a while. Formalicão, defenders scoring like crazy. PZ gone missing. Oh, we... we, we, we how, how old Tomás? Bro, Tomás is a newbie. He's a newbie, so... <laughs> That it, there's tons of jokes uh, comparing Hold Tomaj against uh, against versus Coach, uh, saying that Benfica should have spent the 20 million on Coach, it would have been better served in terms of goal scoring. Anyway, I mean the fact is that Coach got more goals than he does. The two center backs or, or the two defenders from Braga have more goals than he does. So I mean, it's look, it's, it wouldn't have been a bad idea uh, purchasing any of those guys over Hold Tomaj. Right now, things aren't pretty for Hold for sure. Absolutely. Might have had to spend uh, forty million if that's the case. Then, if he's going to do uh, defending and scoring, 
Dave, some uh, some final stats here. I know you, you prepared some stats here for this Modernist game. Let's close out with those stats and and then uh, and then we'll move on. Yeah. So, uh, like we said, Benfica controlled the possession and had 21 shots, but of those 21 shots, only two were on target, which were the goals, and uh, a lot of them were uh, nine were off tar- target and ten were blocked actually by uh, Morinis. And shout out to uh, Steven Vitoria, former Benfiquista or Benfica player. He w- was really solid back there um, and uh, uh, created a lot of problems for our strikers as well. And uh, Seferovic, uh, like we had said, he scored his sixth game winning goal uh, for Benfica. Four of those six have come in pl- uh, the 80 plus minutes. So he has a flair for the dramatics. Yeah, and it was also good to see my boy Jetson come yeah, back. Uh, obviously, he had surgery on one, uh, one of his uh, feet, whichever whichever foot it was. Uh, but very happy to see him back and uh, another healthy body to to hopefully help out uh, the team down the stretch. Now we have the Casa de Liga, another campina- another game for the Campeonato. But uh, good good things good things are coming with with. Jets and, and 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 now Gabriel coming back and yeah. hopefully Florentino not too far after that. Yeah, there's word that Gabriel might be available for Zenit, so we'll we'll just have to see. So shifting our gears now to uh, to the Luis Fluviera interview uh, for TV, TVE uh, this past uh, today uh, earlier today as we record this we're recording this on Tuesday night. Um, look. Nothing here, earth-shattering or revealing uh, in terms of uh, Luis Fliffiera. I'll, I'll run through, through some Did he announce are... his plans to build a highway to the moon? Because, I mean, <laughs> he says he, he's, he says he's in conversations with Elon Musk to get that done. So He's we'll not see. looking at any lights, right? We kept him away from lights, right? Not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> But he sure is happy that at the end of the game, the fans at the stadium are play, are paying a little homage to him by shining the lights on the stadium with their cell phones. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I, I I should take that as a joke or as a as a joke at, at uh, Luis Fliviera or as a joke that fans actually do that like as if they were at a concert. Uh, so anyway, um, two hundred and fifty million have been paid to banks in the past four years. Debt is completely under control. Uh, the European dream continues to live. Uh, although when he was asked when that was going to happen, he said, nobody knows. But it, I mean, in the past, he said, and, and again, that, that article by, by Baquero on, uh, on, uh, on Zero Zero, uh, he's mentioned several times that Benfica would be as big as Real Madrid or will achieve Real Madrid status a couple years uh a couple years back. Uh RDT was suggested by Benfica scouting uh and he wasn't worried that RDT hasn't scored. Uh Vinicius on the Vinicius by both Sporting and Porto were interested uh, but uh, they didn't have enough money to pay. Initial offer in May was for 12 million and he said that it was his choice um to go get Vinicius. So it wasn't Lage that said let's go get Vinicius. The scouting report had identified Vinicius, but it was his choice to to get uh, Vinicius. Uh Morata bought for six million. Both uh Lage and the B team coach are happy uh with him. Perin uh, the deal was closed, came out to to do the physical examinations. Uh, the injury was detected, uh, and he said that because of that injury, it's very, uh, uh, very 
it's he didn't say impossible, but it, it'll be very hard that he will uh, he will play for Benfica. Uh, he also uh, spoke about that opt uh, that early on they were offended uh, by the, the the professionalism of that opt, uh, but since he started working with Laj and Laj spoke well and highly about that opt, he's very happy happy to the point that as we all know he renewed his his contract. In uh, the topic of Ito Peira. Uh, everything that happened with Paul Gonçalves, he said he learned from the newspapers, which I find kind of find hard to believe that a guy that's that high up in the structure and you don't know what this guy uh, is up to. But uh, he was Benfica Saad was found uh, of no wrongdoing in the Itopeda. Paul Gonçalves will go to uh, will go to trial, and he find he thinks that uh, he, he finds it uh, almost uh, unusual or. or not possible that that he will be convicted so he's uh uh he's convinced that he will he will not be found guilty he has a clear very unlikely that (laughs) will be convicted right clear conscience with any other law proceeding in which Befica is involved and he says i will resign uh if Befica is ever guilty of corruption uh he also spoke about the emblem uh that was something that came up today that Befica's uh marketing department as a proposal uh, aimed at changing the emblem of Benfica to make it more commercial. Uh, but uh, that needs to go through the sausage. Sausage will end up voting and will have the last uh, last word. How do you uh, feel it, about that? I think... It, okay, Leave so... Leave it alone or would you touch it? So he, here's what, uh, what I'll say and then I'll give you my opinion, right? Um... The club has statues, statue, statues, right? Uh, about the laws of the club, uh, what the emblem should include, what colors, what each element of the emblem represents. One of the laws is that the eagle should be holding the bland, the banner that sh- that says a pluribus unum, right? As opposed to being on the wheel. As it stands right now, it's on the wheel. So there's a lot of people that are unhappy about that. Um, I think that from my perspective, I would love to see the Eagle go back holding the, 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 the flag, uh, and not, and not have, uh, not have any more modifications to the emblem because the emblem has already gone through some modifications over time, uh, some transformations. Uh, I, I'm not too big on the uh, commercial. I know that modern world and commercialization and uh economy and money drives a lot of the decisions that are made by clubs especially because clubs are now being run like a business but as a fan and maybe call me a purist i would be happy if the emblem wasn't changed with the exception of that one change i mentioned before Christian, well, i guess i'll ask you Christian. as you know i'm not stubborn at all so i'm you know i'm open-minded about it i i think i'm leaning more towards uh, with the exception of that little minor touch that you mentioned which i agree with that one leave it alone uh but I, i'm not gonna disclose um the possibility you know i would like to see what it is that they have in mind. I would like to see it. What it is, how do you want to commercialize it? Let, let me let me see what you have in mind and then 
come out with it and let the saucers vote on it. I, I think I, I think I'd be open to that, but I would like to see it first before I made a decision one way or another. Because I mean, look, sometimes change is good. And I know a lot of times it's really hard to to adapt to change and to get used to stuff. But at the end of the day, we are uh, in different times. Um, and it might be something that's appealing uh, to all of us that still touches all the statues, like like you mentioned, um, and still respects the club and respects the origins. Um, and, you know, we might all be happy. So, uh, again, I, I wouldn't totally disclose the, the, the possibility. I like to have a look at it first before I make yeah. a final decision. No, I mean, Dave. we definitely have to. Dave, but let me ask you this. All three of us are fans of, of uh, North American sports, right? And we all know uh, that uh, certain club or certain ball clubs, whether it's uh, football, whether it's MLS, NFL, uh, even hockey, uh, have gone through their symbol transformations, right? So this is nothing new to us, and we kind of take it as a grain of salt. How do you feel about uh, the emblem of Benfica being changed with the specific uh, reason that it's driven by commerciality. Well, we've seen clubs in, in Europe uh, like Juventus and Man City recently uh, update their logo uh, or their emblem. Yeah. Well over the last 10 years or whatever. Just a little minor. Real Madrid, I think they, they did a touch-up also on the crown. Yeah. They took the so, cross out to appeal to the to the Muslim, yeah, to the, that to was, Muslim market. That was for a certain period of time. That wasn't permanent. Yeah. Crazy. So we've seen we've seen other clubs do it in, in Europe. Um, but if they want to, if they're worried about commercialization, worry about putting a team on the on the pitch, especially in these European competitions. And commercialization will take care of itself once you start putting up uh, big results in these tournaments. Other than that, they're not going to get any. Uh, extra extra money by just well they'll get the extra money from us suckers by purchasing new new kits and new shirts with a new logo on there but they're not going to get any foreign um, foreign markets buying Benfica kits with a, a new logo if they want to worry about commercialization put a better pitch or sorry put a better team on the pitch when uh, Champions League comes around so your final answer is no leave it as is don't touch it don't make any drastic um for for commercialization Wait, purposes, drastic. By you saying don't make any drastic, that means that you're okay with minor touches. So it's either yes, you want you okay with them touching it, or you're not okay with them touching. If I had it my way, I would not touch it. But like Alfredo said, there's there's some laws within the club where they want to have the eagle uh, holding the banner again. So if they're gonna do that, sure. But other yeah. than that. Well, I wouldn't make anything drastic. I'll ask you this: in, in, in looking at some some recent examples, Juve underwent a, a, a rebranding, if you will, of their emblem. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that was that was drastic? I mean, of course, that was drastic. That went. I mean, that was. Atletico's yeah, that, that was not so much. Atletico's not so much. Man City's. I don't. I don't. I don't think Man City's was crazy neither. But Juve was night and day, hundred percent. Right, but look, it's um, look. Some people weren't fans of it, but at the end of the day, man, you 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 know things change, and and modernization does happen. And I agree with Dave a thousand percent. Put a better product out on the field, and and that would will will garner the most attention, obviously. But I, again, I'm just being fair, man. I, I you can't keep saying no to things over and over. I think I'll just 
like to have a look at what it is they have in mind and then then i'll be like nah that's just crazy leave it alone or yeah, yeah that's cool man you know it's time to to to, to change so yeah um yeah he, he will also he also mentioned that he will be running for another term uh that jota and grimaldo are very close to uh renewing uh and he also said that there was uh of a financial effort on Befiga's part to make sure that uh, pay players stay or, or staying um, at Benfica. Uh, as long as, uh, and he also said, as long as there are players with uh, quality and talent at the Seychelles, we won't need to go to the market. And this was when he was questioned about, um, because Domingo Suarez Oliveira, which is the, the CFO for, for Benfica, said that Benfica should be um, buying or uh, acquiring a superstar player every every yeah, but year. that guy not not too long ago said that Benfica has a strong enough, for lack of you know the American way, right, farm system in Seychelles that they don't need to invest. And then a couple months later comes out, and now Benfica could invest and buy a superstar. Every, I mean, come on, man, make up your mind. I mean, it just I'm sick and tired of these stories. I'm sick and tired of these lines. I just want. I want to be told the truth and stick to it. Um, don't change your mind every couple of months to to appeal to to, to new uh, yeah. fans or to whatever. And just say what you mean and mean what you say. Yeah, and that and that's why uh, Luis Felipe was confronted after that statement of the CFL, uh, and he said, as long as there's quality at the Seychelles for the position that's needed, we won't need to uh, go to the market. Uh, also, he said that uh, that he, he would love to keep Ruben Diaz, and that the, he has made him a, a very good offer because he feels that Ruben Diaz has the potential to be Benfica's future captain, and he's a player at Benfica. Uh, he also mentioned about the scouting department that does the thorough work for all the positions, and once a uh, once a position uh, is asked for by the coach, they turn in their work, uh, and also the coach can sometimes ask for the players, but it has to go through the through the scouting department. Uh, and uh, the other thing that he mentioned, Benfica will increase uh, the capacity of uh, Stade de Luz. Uh, and uh, the last thing was the naming. Uh, there was a brand interested and willing to pay what they were asking. He didn't reveal the values, uh, but he felt that that brand wasn't the right brand to be associated with the naming of the stadium. Uh, the brands that they wanted for the naming of the stadium wasn't interested in paying what Benfica was asking for. Uh, so that that branding uh, is uh, eminent, uh, and I think that we all agreed that Stade Luz will always be known as Stade Luz, nothing else. So... Wait, what uh, was it you said before the branding? What was the other topic? The capacity. Yeah, that's right. The capacity. Uh, they're expanding the capacity by removing the seats and putting standing room only. Correct. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, but they yeah. said they have a project from. Uh, that's what it is. They're not adding any more seats. What they're doing is behind the goals. They're going to remove, or maybe behind one goal. I'm not sure if it's both goals, but for sure behind one goal, they're going to remove the seats and put the standing room only, like uh, the bars for standing, like we see in uh, Dortmund and a couple yeah. other stadiums throughout European football. And I think that that will allow more fans into the into those sections, which then will expand the capacity. So yeah. it's not no crazy cranes and construction. At, at, at you another know. ring. At another yeah, ring. Exactly. Oh. It's nothing like that. Nothing like that. So, uh, as I mentioned, nothing too revealing from Luis Felipe Vieira's uh, part. And it seems that uh, the, the if you rewind in, to the interviews that he gave a couple of years ago, it's almost the same line of, 
of discourse, the same answers, uh, kind of the same general uh statements that he has nothing to reveal him but if you know of course he's a businessman he's not going to reveal uh he was asked about certain details of certain deals and he said you know this is business i can't divulge what the, the details were um and he also he also mentioned uh about jean felix and that uh, george minge was involved and he kind of was the intermediary of the deal even though uh, jean felix is was represented by uh, someone else, but apparently he came to an agreement with uh, that person, that other agent, uh, and they uh, agreed to to share on the on the percentage, which was ten percent, which apparently has not been paid out to George Mins yet. And George Mins, as we know, doesn't need much money. Uh, but yeah, as I mentioned, just a, a general thing. I mean, if you if you're curious, go and uh, and check that out. That's on TVE. Uh, uh, online, just search for that, and I think it's TV, TVE player. Uh, we'll have the replay of that. Uh, so switching our directions now to uh, to the upcoming games uh, for Benfica domestically. A League Cup game comes up uh, this Wednesday or tomorrow as we record this against Guimarães at Stade de Luz. Dave, what's uh, what, what what's Guimarães up to, and what have we done against Guimarães? Yeah, so uh, in this competition, the Tessa de Liga, we've played uh, Guimarães five times already, uh, beaten them four, drawn them uh, once. Uh, Guimarães is uh, currently in sixth in Liga Noj with two wins, three draws, uh, one loss. Uh, they've already played 14 games this season. They had to qualify for Europa League. So uh, in the 14 games, they've won eight, drawn four, and lost uh, two. So uh they're already a uh, well-seasoned, uh, they're well into their season, um, and, they, and they've been showing some good results. I think they just beat Tondela 3-1, and uh, Lucas and uh, Evangelista, a uh, player that uh, Benfica uh-huh. was uh, scouting a couple of years ago. Uh, he, yeah, he's on their team, and he's uh, been making a big impact for them as well. He had a phenomenal game this weekend against Tondela, scoring a goal and assisting on another, and had a couple of other opportunities. This is a quality, quality player who uh, many of us a couple of years ago shouted uh, for Benfica to, to possibly make a run at him. That didn't happen, and now he's back in Portuguese football, um, and he's killing it. So good for him. Hopefully uh, he, he doesn't have one of those games uh, against Benfica. Uh, but nonetheless, it's good to see uh, quality players in the Portuguese league. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and – and Braga, who was a team that we we always uh, count on to be up there, and uh, and giving some fight to the to the the big three, if you will, uh, has turned out to be disappointing. Uh, domestically, they're doing okay uh, in the Europa League, but domestically they've been disappointing. And Vitória Guimarães has emerged as the one team that could uh, take the place of uh, of uh, Braga and really give uh, the big clubs uh, a challenge. So. Um, it's going to be a, a, a tough game for for Benfica. It's going to be at Stade Luz, 7 p.m. local. Uh, also in, in Benfica's group is uh, Stubel Covilhã uh, or the other teams that round up the, the group of four. Uh, if Benfica advances and only the top team will advance out of these four groups in the semifinals, Benfica has uh, possibly a, a chance of a repeat of last year's edition of the League Cup, and they will because they're faced up against the group where Porto uh, stands as uh, as the one big shark coming out of uh, out of that group. Uh, so we'll we'll just have to see. Cristiano, what do you think? 
more rotation for the Tasa de Liga? Yeah, tomorrow you're going to see the, the preschool squad out there. <laughs> Zlobin will probably get a start, Zlobin right? will uh, for sure get a start. Tavares will get a start. Tavares will get a start. Tavares will get a start. It's going to be pretty difficult tomorrow if you're listening in on the radio and the referee. Tavares, Tavares. You're, just, you're going to be all confused, but I predict all three of them will get a start. Uh, Jardel will get in there. Servi will definitely get in there. And Zivkovic might make a surprise start. I mean, if if everyone else is getting an opportunity, why not him? Tasa de Cerveja. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see, but I think all the putus will be out there. Jetson might get a start. Uh, Jota will definitely get a start. Um, it just the uh, biggest question right now is who's going to be that striker? Yeah. The, yeah, the biggest the biggest question right now, and if I have to pick an 11, I'm scratching my head because I know there's going to be some squad rotation. Dave, what, what are your feelings, man? Yeah, guaranteed squad rotation. But maybe is this maybe too early uh, of a match considering we also got Stubal on the weekend? But do we use uh, Tarapta as that second striker in this uh, Tasa game and see what he can do up there? Uh, playing behind. I don't know if, if they're going to start uh, RDT or Seferovic. Or you might get RDT with Jota behind them and kind of hope RDT gets a goal under his wing to go into the weekend with uh, some confidence. Yeah, let, let's not burn out Tarapt right now. He seems to be like the only good thing that we have going for <laughs> right now. And whether he plays at, at an 8 position or he plays at a 10 position, Tarapt is the one highlight that Benfica uh, fans uh, seem to be uh, happy I'm about. Still pissed. Servi missed that chance when he puts him on. Uh, I know in front. Of, it was harder to, to to miss a penalty than it was to miss that chance, and somehow Servi was able to hit the goalkeeper right in the crotch. Absolutely. Um, after Guimarães, Benfica plays on the weekend again. Uh, Saturday, 7 p.m. Look at local at Stade Luz. Uh, Vitória Stubel is currently 11th place in the Liga Nós. Uh, they have not won a game away from Dom uh, They have uh, zero wins, one loss, and one tie. And they have not have yet to score a goal away from Dom So uh, another team that comes in and at this time, man, and, and I hate it seems like a, a flashback, and I hope it isn't a flashback to the Rui Vitoria days, but uh, I hope that we get back on the, on the right track. But uh, Stubal is a team that always plays physical and always gives us a challenge, gives us a, a, a run for our money. Uh, we'll just have to see what kind of squad rotation happens this Wednesday and then uh, on the weekend. On the weekend, Cristiano, we see our strongest team for the league? Just ask my <laughs> but then we can't forget we got to go to Russia right afterwards too. So it's okay. They, the Putus uh, will be back in. Don't worry about yeah. it. We'll send Zlobin to Russia. Don't you worry. He's familiar with that. Um. Anyway, that's all we got, Cristiano. I know that you were out. <laughs> you were out uh, last week. Anything else uh, that you wanted to uh, that you want to mention? Because I we missed you last week, man. Your 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 takes and your you opinion. Missed me last week, dude, I, I missed you guys every week. I guess I was only missed last week. Dave, did you miss me this week also, Dave? How can I miss you this week when you're you're here? I missed you last week, not this week. I miss you guys every week, bro. It's love, just because, love. Just because you got no friends, dude. Look at look at the <laughs> friends I have. You, you guys, friends like you guys. Of course, I got no friends. But now, nah, listen, uh, I'm glad to be back. 
miss chatting with you fellas. Um, in a way, I'm kind of happy I wasn't on last week because I I, I would have probably would have blew a you know a couple of beans or something. I don't know. I would have been I would have been a little bit uh, hyper more excited than I am right now. So uh, um, look, I'm here now. It's all that matters. Yeah. I miss you guys. Miss all the listeners. Um, please hit us up Twitter, Instagram. I know Dave's got all the chicks lined up asking questions, but uh, <laughs> the boys could direct some questions towards Alfredo and I as well. And we gladly um, answer them. Yeah, speaking of that, part. yeah, speaking of that, there was uh, it was Dave Dave Enrique uh, from Toronto who took the time to to write a nice uh, email to us talking about the RB Leipzig and that was the thesis was an email. <laughs> And and Pizzi, so we we definitely appreciate so he gets a shout out. Uh, at Benfica Podcast is where you can find the podcast on Twitter at 10CO10 at 87 do 87 I always got to stop and think about that one because I, I reversed it one time and, and somebody called me out on it. At uh, BenficaPodcast.com is where you can find us. Don't forget to check out our friends at Benfica Independent. Storia Gloriosa newest episode is out go and check that out uh and uh check out and support all the other benfica projects uh Zagis, benfica after 90 so on and so forth mr benfica all those guys all right take care everyone we'll talk to you again next week we'll recap these this guimarães in uh, this tubal game and we'll look ahead to uh what's up for benfica zenit uh being the team all right take care everyone cristiano always good seeing you dave same later everyone